there's nothing that's as real as the love that's in my mind close your eyes I'll be here in the morning close your eyes I'll be here for a while Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we have a combine wrap-up with Robert Smith, our good friend Robert Smith of Windy City Gridiron. Love talking with him. He covers the seat, goes down to the Senior Bowl with us, does a lot of awesome work. So we're going to wrap up the combine with him. While Giants land is burning down, waiting for this Daniel Jones, almost you almost forget Saquon Barkley is a part of this, contracts. So you'll probably know by the time you're listening to this, but we figured we'd get a combine episode up. Justin, how are you? Hey, hey, Mikey. Uh, when's the Daniel Jones extension going to be announced? He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He's speechless. But I, I mean, he also just did whisper to me that it's going to happen soon. Yeah, Justin, we're recording this at eight o'clock Monday night. We have never had little birdies chirping in our ear like this like everyone's telling us it's gonna get done like we are not source guys me and you have had like multiple people like reach out to us and be like it's getting done like it's it's getting it's it's all it's done they're working on it it's gonna be getting done but all those people told us it'd be done by monday night and now it's monday night and it's and it's not done so they it's 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 wild times out there so but we're not going to talk much about that because it's going to happen by the time you're listening to this so we're just going to do a separate Whatever happens, happens. We're going to do an episode at the 4 p.m. deadline uh, of the franchise tag. So you'll get an, uh, a, a quick a quick turnaround for talking Giants. Um, so, but Combine Week. Justin, how are you? Combine, combine Week. week uh, Bobby Skinner, your brother got married. Congratulations. I went down to Atlantic City, and I had a fun weekend where I left up, and I paid $69 for a stake. So, uh doing a little bit of celebrating and yeah, you're gonna, you're going to get three Talk of Giants episodes this week. Yeah, so look, I'll be on the lookout for that. Um before we get into the episode, Justin, uh a couple a couple of people brought you this episode. We got Ryan Cords. He likes he's not a cord cutter, he is Ryan Cords. And then mm. the other one is Preston Skinner, who I I was in a wedding this weekend. He was in the wedding with wow. Me. I was, was about to say was, any relation. He was one of the groomsmen. You met him a couple of weeks ago in Daytona. Oh so yeah, of course. I gave him a bunch of stickers, and I think he's like, oh, I got, I got to join the Patreon now. So J- Justin, who are who are these people besides being my personal cousin? Thanks, Preston, and thanks, Cords. You can go to Patreon.com. Slash- Ryan's really getting overshadowed by my cousin for mm. Patreon this week. But Ryan, you know what, Ryan, I'm going to send you extra stickers because. Wow. You got a little overshadowed by my cousin. Look at that. Look at that. Patreon.com slash Giants. $2 a month, plus some other tiers. You get to hang out with us live while we record the shows. Bobby Skinner, yeah. He's sending you some stickers and magnets. Is it time that we start revamping and we, we need to we add some new stickers? Magnets. Oh, yeah. We don't. Yeah, you always say that. We don't send magnets. Any, we oh, haven't sent tough. magnets for like two years. Tough. You told me to yeah, say like two years ago. magnets. Yeah, so culture of violence. I think we should do a NASCAR sticker, which, by the way, I'm all the way back in on NASCAR. So we'll we got to do that. We can we can shallow it right after the interview. Um, so let's kick it to Robert Smiths. But uh, an ad. Don't skip this ad. This ad is like I was blown away. Like, what is this? And now I'm like super 
Intrigued, Justin. Because today's episode is brought to you by the Tropical Hockey League? Does this sound like semi-pro? It sounds like semi-pro. The Tropical Hockey League is a professional roller hockey league where all the teams will be owned by their fans. And guess what? It's in Florida. Located along the Gulf Coast, the THL is the first of its kind, uh, first of its kind league of entirely fan-owned teams, seeking to make uh, the game of inline hockey faster, more free-flowing, and exciting. The THL will provide affordable, accessible fun for people of all ages, and you can become an owner today by investing. Investors, possibly you. Possibly so you. There's five teams: the Tallahassee Tiger Sharks, the Gainesville Gargoyles. The Tampa Bay Tritons, the Bradenton Brawlers, which I love the name. Are they going with alliteration? I think so. But then you have the Daytona Beach uh, Anglers. And mm. I think the, the Daytona one just is the closest to me. I think I'm going to be an Anglers guy. I'm going to invest in the Anglers. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking about investing about $100,000 into them, but not really. That's your salary. No, it'd be 20% of my salary. Oh, it's 20% of your salary. Or, I guess me. about 19% because it's a little Anyways. Um, yeah, so that's right. By investing in a team, you can become an owner and have a vote in the way your team is run. Maybe we should, should we as a Talking Giants community all like, just like, let's, let's put all our weight behind I the honestly Daytona think Beach Anglers. We maybe could do something because what I like about this new league, this Tropical Hockey League, is that you can't have somebody that comes in with $10 million and okay, I'm going to own the majority of the team. They cap it so that whoever wants to own the team does have a say, obviously depending on how much you give, and if you have a little money to throw around, do it. But it's not like one person can come in and just monopolize the whole thing. That's why this league is just so interesting. And then you have say on kind of what happens with the team or the franchise. Yeah, so I think we're all going to get behind the Daytona Beach Anglers. I'm for it. So this is pretty interesting. I think they might be doing some stuff with uh, the other John Boy Media people. So pretty, like, usually, you know, like this ad is like, whoa, this is, when you told me about this, I was like, oh, I want to read this. Um, so check out their WeFunder page today and become a part of sports history. It's up and coming. So there's a the link in our bio, uh, the description for the podcast to check it out. So Daytona Beach Anglers, that's where it's all about. Like we're, we're putting our money behind the Daytona Beach Anglers and we are going to create the greatest the greatest roller hockey league in the world. I'm excited. You'll be glad you did. And here's Robert Smith's. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. I we now welcome on to the program. The Giants aren't playing the Bears this year, so I was like, we got to get Robert Smith on Talking Giants somehow. <laughs> and what a better opportunity to get him on. Uh, as I talked about earlier in the show, I was at my brother's wedding all week. So I, I did not get into the combine as much. Um, you know, I was watching some stuff afterwards, but there's nothing like watching it live. Well, Robert went there and covered it. You know, he's down there at the Senior Bowl with us, and he's here joining Talking Giants to not talk about just solely the Bears for the first time. Rob, how you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, Bears have the number one pick. I feel like we get to finally have teams that are fun again, because two years ago, we got about as nihilistic as two fans could talking about a game that didn't matter as the Giants had both relevant picks. So one of them was going up and one of them's going down. But getting to go to the combine was outstandingly fun. I mean, obviously, Chicago's the talk of the town, which is a little surreal from my side of things. And then the other team that kept getting mentioned, I mean, guys, uh, 
Daniel Jones and the news surrounding him has been all over the place. I don't know how you guys are hanging in there on a day like today. Yeah, we're basically just staying out of it until it actually happens. So we we <laughs> this it probably there's a chance that this news has all whatever's contract happens before we even post this, you know, put this out for the public. But but I mean, Robert, com- at least the Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley conversation that's been happening every day since the offseason, at least it has an expiration date because there's going to be stuff that's going to be decided. Whereas oh, yeah. the Bears number one pick and Justin Fields, that will <laughs> that's a conversation yes. that will happen every day until literally the number one pick is made, whether you trade out, you keep Fields, whatever, whatever, whatever. So at least our debate as Giants fans has a expiration date. Yours does not for any time soon. You're telling me, but at the very least, we're talking about something positive instead of, hey, two years ago, I feel like both of our franchises were just talking about firing people, right? And that's so much less fun than talking about what might be in the positive. I mean, there are so many people saying it, whether you're talking about Peter King, Rich Eisen, uh, people keep using the word unprecedented to describe the Bears situation. And it kind of feels like it. I mean, when's the last time a team had, look, whether you love him or hate him, a decent quarterback that you could roll with reasonably for the next year and the number one pick in a year where there's high demand for quarterbacks. It's Mm. been a great time to at least speculate on what the bears are going to be. Uh, There's no way there'll be any harder to watch next year than this or than this year was losing 14 games does something to your soul. (laughs) But I mean, starting two and one. Oh, gosh, you're telling me Uh, there. There was some Bears guy who tweeted his name's Greg Gabriel. Ha, take that analyst. There's no way they're going to lose 10 games for the rest of the season. And and then they lost 10 in a row, no less. (laughs) So rough wake up for Greg. But that's how it goes on the other side of things. I mean, getting to see and talk to so many of the draft analysts and other people that cover the league at the combine, Bobby, Justin, it was really, really something. I mean, at one point, I remember I was out uh, at, at dinner with a couple of the other guys at one of the other shows called CH Go in our area, and the entire Bears beat rolled through it, uh, that bar, and we ended up just getting drinks for like the next two and a half hours. I mean, you show up early, you stay late when you're in Indianapolis, but it is a really fun time. If you guys get the chance to come, you totally should. Yeah, we've always been like, nah, we're not good at rubbing shoulders, but now you're like convincing me to go. So maybe next year we're we're all going to be out there. Well, the um, best part about it, Bobby, is if you come with someone, it's a lot easier to rub shoulders when you're two people bumping into one or other people than just being by yourself. <laughs> like walking up and talking to people 100% stag. So having lived that life, if you're there, it'll be a lot easier for the both of us. Bobby's yeah. height is also a very easy talking point. You're oh, like, man. whoa, you're actually 6'7". Yeah, oh, you, you should have played. Should have played. Oh, ho, ho, can we sign? Yeah. You know, so that's an easy talking point. <laughs> I'm like, there actually was a Bobby Skinner who played for the Giants at one point. There you go. See? Um, there you go. So, uh, I want to talk about some on-field stuff, and then so, I, I do want to close out talking about like stuff you heard, you know, with whether it's in the, oh, yeah. the dining halls or, or wherever in Indianapolis. And it starts with one, a guy who you have been uh, pretty interested in, and I am as well. We talked about him on our way too early uh, draft preview, and I thought he was, out of the wide receiver we watched, was the best one. And that's Ohio State wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. Who, after this year, who dealt with some injuries and, you know, there was talks of him like falling into the second round, you know, like, oh, he's a slot type of guy. 
where do you land on him? Because his agility stuff was the best in the in, in the you know in the in the combine had the best three cone drill, the best uh, short shuttle, and he that shows up on film. And I actually think he can play outside more than people give him credit. But I just think he's a guy who will live on the inside for the most. I, as a Giants fan, at one point was thinking he was going to fall to twenty five. Coming out of there, do you think there's any chance like that happens, or is he has he kind of solidified himself as a top fifteen guy? So in a in a different draft class with a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson or a Jalen Waddle or a clear cut first receiver taken, I think Jackson Smith Jigba falling to that eighteen to twenty area makes a lot of sense. But guys, that's just not the draft class we're looking at. Okay, is Jonah yelling uh, a problem, or do I need like no, I, I love the cord? I love it. <laughs> then I'll make a comment. And excuse me, that's my wonderful six-month-old child yelling in the background. He's just trying to chime in. Let He's really excited about Jackson Smith and Jigba. As he should be. The trouble is, Bobby, is eventually you're going to have the first receiver come off the board. I mean, let's look at last year, right? We had six receivers drafted in the top or in the first 32 picks. And I doubt that 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 hunger for these receivers is going to slow down anytime soon. JSN is one of the best weapons in the draft. We're talking about a guy who in a season where uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave asserted themselves as top 20 picks, Jackson Smith Jigba outproduced both of them by over 500 yards. Garrett Wilson was asked before the draft and after the draft, Who's the best receiver on your team? And both times he said, it's JSN. I mean, are you looking for players to get his back? Are you looking for raw stats? Are you looking for tape? I mean, Bobby, as this league, Justin, as this league shifts towards this cover two identity, these guys that can win underneath, win in the middle of the field, move all over the football field and create space, pick up key third downs. Those guys are bread and butter. You look at Amon Ross St. Brown, you look at Cooper cup you look at stefan Diggs. you look at all Devonte adams all these guys that aren't the burner aren't the big tall highlight catcher that we're used to it's not dk metcalf while he is outstandingly good it's these guys who on first second and third down they're a clear threat to your defense those guys are winning football games and even winning Super Bowls. And I can't help think that JSN is as good or better than any of the rest of them. I understand he doesn't have long speed. And because he doesn't have long speed, everybody wants to try to make uh, Jordan Addison better than him. But Bobby, Justin, not only does he win, he wins quickly off the line of scrimmage. And I can't help but thinking that there are NFL receiver coaches right now drooling to put him in their offense. And he's a guy, because whenever a guy who is a mostly slot wide receiver, it kind of comes with a stigma. And I agree with her for the most part. Like, this guy can't, like, awesome. Add him to your team. He can't be a number one guy. I think JSN can be that type of guy. Like mm -hmm. you mentioned, a Cooper Cup. I'm not going to project him to be Cooper Cup. Right. But where it's like, no, you can run your offense through this guy. Mm -hmm. And with the Giants specifically, how they, like, have always valued the slot and, you know, more so than, you know, needing that, that Alpha X. Like, I feel like he would be a huge addition and would fit with what Daniel Jones does really well, um, which is, you know, reading leverage and, and some pre-snap stuff. I think JSN would just be ultra reliable, kind of the way a guy like Sterling Shepard, when he was healthy, was with him, but just to uh, an, another level with him. And again, you saw best shuttle time in the combine, best uh, best three-cone drill, which are like, those are the drills you use to measure those type of players. And he just excelled at it. And, and I think he was a guy who was 
like being talked about, but was going to fall. And now I think he kind of like I think there's a good chance he's the first receiver off the board even before a guy like Quentin Johnston at this point. And not to mention, Bobby, people think he's smaller than he is. I mean, there's a lot of excitement building about Boston College's Zay Flowers, who's 183 pounds. There's a lot of excitement already about USC former pit receiver Jordan Addison, who's 175 pounds. Jordan Addison is two, or not Jordan Addison, uh, Jack Smith Jigba is 200 pounds. He's six, uh, I think he's six foot and a half. Like, this is not a small receiver. It's not a big receiver either, but it's a very NFL sized wide receiver, which is really important when you're beating press because if you do get punched in the chest, that extra 20 pounds goes a long way to shrugging the blow off and continuing to get open after the fact. Bobby, I feel like the most under-discussed piece of JSN's game when you watch his film with Stroud is JSN is so reliable. I mean, not only do you know he'll get open because there are times where he'll even pull a corner out of their their leverage so that he can get open, but he's getting open on such consistent timing. It clearly helps quarterbacks trust him and throw balls to him that they would throw to nobody else on the football field. I mean, Justin, there's a play I remember where uh, CJ Stroud particularly lofted a ball over two defenders and between two more defenders. So you could consider it like a square box that he threw the ball into. And JSN hadn't even started to break yet. He just knew he would be there. And that trust effectively helps you create those anticipatory throws, Bobby, that some quarterbacks, DJ being one of them, just aren't as prone to throwing naturally, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you can effectively create that anticipation anyways with a guy like JSN, I think that that brings incredible value to an offense where is he going to score you 13 touchdowns a year? Is he going to have 45-yard bomb catches? Not necessarily the same way that, again, like a Justin Jefferson, a true alpha x might but on third and eight who's more valuable honestly sometimes i think or on some downs if he lives up to what i think he will I think you're gonna it's gonna be a tighter comparison than people want to admit and again i think he's someone who can win vertically as well too mm-hmm. like you said he's not going to be like those other guys but he can win vertically like and i keep going back to sterling shepherd and i think it w- he will be a much better player than sterling shepherd but shepherd like was a, a lot of what you were describing before with him with like the trust stuff and it, when the giants were had jason garrett as their offensive coordinator daniel jones and sterling shepherd's connection hid a lot of the flaws in that offense mm-hmm. because like no matter how bad that offense was and didn't set up guys to make plays like those guys were always on the same page and there'd be like you know, we're making these eleven-yard passes, these super right. tight contested, win- uh, uh, tight window throws, and DJ and Saquon just knew like they were on on perfect timing, and that's when we've seen Daniel Jones's best as someone where it's like, okay, I know where you're gonna be, type guy. So, uh, I-, I was thrilled to see him do such a combine. I, th- I think he might be out of range for the Giants, but he he might be like my most like somewhat realistic get. Is there another receiver coming out of like coming out of the combine where you're like? Oh wow, like this this really like built your stock up. Yes, but I don't know if anybody else caught it. I don't trust anybody else to have realized how good Quentin Johnston looked in the route running portion of these drills. Because a lot of people, guys, have 
faded Quentin Johnston so hard that they're forgetting that this guy has a huge, like, monster frame. I mean, came in at around 205. He didn't need to be that much heavier. We know he's going to run outrageously fast. And a couple of the catches that he had, because obviously the Combine's focused on the quarterbacks, like when they're actually showing the TV broadcast, he he's getting his hands way, way, way up there. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be a true Alpha X receiver. There aren't many of them. But a lot of the things that people are saying about Quentin Johnston right now say sound awfully similar to the way people talked about Christian Watson. A lot of his problems are more coachable things that you can fix, whereas a lot of his benefits are things just natural to him. Now, obviously, guys, there's always a chance that he's the next Chase Claypool. Like, big man, small play style. Who's to say? But... Bobby, I'll tell you what, like I, I could talk about Jaden Reed here. I could talk about, uh, oh my gosh, the other receiver that Josh Downs looked really solid there. Zay Flowers looked like Zay Flowers, who's surprised. I thought Jalen or Jalen Hyatt looked fine. I don't know if he hurt his stock per se. Michael Wilson's been one of my favorites, but he caught fire after the senior bowl. So I feel like he just kind of looked like himself. But Quinton Johnston, to me, is asserting himself as the clear wide receiver, too of the class you could even say 1b depending on what you're looking for because there are going to be some teams they have an m on ross st brown so what why would they need jsn whereas stylistically i think oh at perry had a solid little combine i mean he ran quick in the 40 he looked really solid on uh like as far as the gauntlet drills and the other fluidity drills he's somebody that i certainly think probably made some money for himself What isn't? Wouldn't you consider Quentin Johnston to be the closest thing to that alpha number one closest in thing. the in this draft class? Because I feel like the other guys that are being talked about up top, I mean they they have their flaws. Like even JSN, you know, barely, you know, I think what do you have five catches this year? So some of these other guys are a little bit smaller, maybe kind of you know slotted into that slot only. So if I'm kind of a team that's looking for that number one alpha wide receiver, Quint Quentin Johnston would be that guy that I would kind of maybe want to bet on for this year's draft class. Would Certainly you agree? have to. There's not many options. Everybody's under 200 pounds. Like JSN's literally one of the biggest receivers in the top, say, 10. And that's hilarious because he shouldn't be. He should be decidedly mid-sized. But Justin, things get complicated because when you start rattling off the number one alpha receivers in the NFL, let's name a few of them. Right. So we've got Jamar Chase, who was taken at pick number six. But we got Justin Jefferson, who was taken at pick number 18, and people thought he was a product of Joe Burrow. We've got DK Metcalf, who was taken in the second round, and people thought there's no way he's going to be a productive receiver. He only had 500 yards his senior year. A lot of these Alpha X guys and end up with a lot of doubters before the draft actually takes place. They look like a sure thing looking back. I mean, you watch DK's film. He is as athlete as athlete gets in the NFL but Johnston and the more that I watch him Justin the more that I see a receiver with outstanding start stop ability for a guy his size I see somebody that actually understands how leverage works which tells me that he's not winning off of pure athletics and I see a bizarre SMU offense that really helped Max Duggan obviously get to the national championship I don't want to take anything away from Max that I don't have to but they weren't throwing goal balls they weren't like they weren't throwing fades in the end zone if Johnston had an opportunity to assert himself as an ex wide receiver it was 
wasn't in the SMU offense. Let's just put it that way, which was a little more like Baylor, Bryles style, spread offense, Big 12, everything you love and you hate about the conference. I'm a Big 12 alum, so that that's my home. But a lot of people would say it's just the least pro style thing possible. So I'm not saying Johnston's a sure thing. I'm saying I think that there are a lot more questions on his film and a lot more things being hidden than I think the public is talking about because the public heard he was going to be a top five pick and started saying, I don't know if I'd spend a top five pick on him. But once you start getting into the 10s, the 15s, the 20s, I think Johnson starts to look really, really yeah. enticing. I have a question for for both of you. This is kind of just like a draft thing in in general, because now that especially I feel like even the Bears, right? The Bears are looking for receiver upgrades, right? A lot of teams are looking for receiver upgrades, but every year, even though this year's like doesn't have that alpha number one, like clear cut wide receiver, kind of like you were saying before, Robert, I mean, these these receivers are still good and it wouldn't surprise me if any one of them were to turn into, let's say, a number one a year or two down the line. But I feel like a lot of these wide receiver prospects, they come with, well, they don't run the full route tree. They don't run the full route train. I feel like that's so that's so many receivers that come out. Where is the where is the line in establishing this guy doesn't run the full route tree, but you look at his athletic profile and he's super awesome, super athletic. He can't and we think that he can run the full route tree in the NFL. Because I feel like it's it so many of these prospects, it's associated, they have that kind of label of they don't run the full route tree, they don't fund the run the full route tree. Like how do you think of a guy like Jalen Hyatt who just ran go balls for Tennessee and the most and you mentioned fake offenses the Tennessee fake like the most fakest of fake offenses oh yeah I mean for me what I look at honestly so Justin to use an example um there are so many college offenses where they're talking through these receivers who all of them are student athletes not all of them are there for a hundred percent football all the time and moreover they're trying to get their college kids to play as fast as possible and maybe most importantly trying to keep things simple for the quarterback if you don't have to learn to throw nine different routes then don't bother right you'll notice on a lot of college film bobby i'm curious if you see the same thing most of these receivers run maybe five routes and that's an offense thing like they'll have their slant they'll have their curl they'll have their dig they'll have their post they'll have their go or maybe they'll change one of those for an out maybe they're an out offense maybe they're like maybe they'll change something for a crosser over the middle like a drag i mean you're exactly right justin in that these guys don't run the whole route tree but a lot of times it's not because i mean it's just because the route tree isn't in the playbook and so when the when the playbook expands in the nfl and guys get potentially a bigger role and you have to do more of that because you can't just run the same literal like nine to 15 plays for an entire season quite like you can in college receivers get tested so i want to see guys like Jaden reed michigan state receiver they can get in and out of breaks because if i know that you can get in and out of a break on an in i know you can get you can run an out it's not that different right it may take a moment may take some practice but i know you can whereas if all you've ever ever run are 45 degree outs like or 45 degree slants posts the like then i'm not certain you have the start stop to run a 90 degree dig i need to see it does that make sense yeah i agree that's something where like you know the whole the, the other guy doesn't run the full route tree. It's like, well, does this offense ask wide receivers to run the full route tree, or are they specifically asking this guy to not run the full route tree? Mm-hmm. And like you said, like on your dicks, do you come back? Do you fight back to the ball, or are you rounding that out and adding an extra two, three yards 
uh, you know, down the field on those type of things and allowing cornerbacks to get back into that into that catch space. You know, when you're facing a guy like Darius Rush, when you're running, um, you know, an over route, like how do you you know separate on that second little subtle break? that that comes with those routes are you allowing him to get back to inside leverage when you win initially so those are the type of things i look at um when looking at wide receivers um you know and that was like a guy like for example the guy that the giants drafted last year in wandale robinson that's where i was worried about him is like yeah they didn't ask him to run the full route tree but the routes he did run there was like there there need there's a lot that needs to be cleaned up. The, he is almost like jumping into his gear down, um, and it was just allowing wide receivers to get back into his catch space for a guy that's already you know five foot eight. Obviously, a guy like Quentin Johnson is not going to be judged the same as as a five foot eight Wandale Robinson. Totally. Speaking of I- corners getting back into the catch space, it feels like every cornerback this year is six foot one and runs a four three. Like looking at the corners from this. Um, uh, uh, from this uh, this combine, and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, and even the top two fastest guys, I'm not familiar with with DJ Turner and Jacorian Bennett, but um, you know, Deontay Banks runs a four three five, Emmanuel Forbes, who's six foot one but only 166 pounds, ran a four three five, you know, Keely Ringo four three six, Darius Rush, who's six foot two, yep, ran a four three six. He doesn't have the best short area speed, but it's like you do see that long area speed, and he's great at getting back into the catch space. Christian Gonzalez four three eight, like. These corners, um, like really tore it up. Who was the guy coming away from it? Doesn't even have to be on the uh, one of those guys I named in the four threes that you really came away with impressed. Well, I mean, it's so funny, right? Because as every team's like, a- as we all watch draft stuff, I I watch it with the Bears hat on. How could I not? Right. I would love for other people to read my stuff, but I know my audience is mostly Bears fans and you guys sometimes. And so I'm looking at these second, third, fourth round corners. Christian Gonzalez was amazing. Keely Ringo was awesome. A lot of the guys, like you mentioned, Bennett, others, uh, they played their butts off at this combine. Julius Brent's really stuck out to me. I mean, that's about as athletic as you'll get. Six, two and a half, 198 pounds. He's, I don't know if he set a record, but he had one of the longest broad jumps ever uh for a corner he had a 41 and a half inch vertical he had 99th and 97th percentile agility testing if memory serves compiled a 9.82 ras if you guys follow that the relative athletic score um with 34 inch arms i mean the guy's insane also rush was another guy that i came loaded to talk about bobby because i didn't realize he's been playing corner for as little time as he has did you realize he was recruited to sc as he as a receiver like i actually didn't i i i I did my full evaluation on him like probably like an hour before we were recording and that was like oh i didn't realize you know when you go to like look up their player bio stuff after you look at like write down your notes like oh the guy came in as a wide receiver which makes sense you know, running a four three forty at six foot two makes all the sense in the world. And I got the chance to talk to him at the combine, like in one of those interviews. And he said that the part of his game that he loves the most is special teams. I mean, you want to talk about trying to get yourself. Oh, and he's drafted. a panderer. I like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, I. He was like, I came in as a wide receiver when they moved me over. Or the only thing that I was doing was running gun or was gunning on punts. Uh, so I tried to be the best gunner that I could be. Started to work my way onto the defense. Started to start for the defense. So there's some 
serious upside there. Like the athletic profile obviously speaks for itself. Crazy fast, a little less agile than a guy like Brent's. But when you're that big and that long and you've got natural ball skills, because we saw this at the senior bowl, right? That contextualized so much for me because Brent's was seeing receiver routes before they ran them and attempting to guard that space, right? That's so it's less staring at the quarterback or staring at the receiver and more feeling the receiver and attempting to cut space off, which is part of how he came away with, was it two interceptions uh, throughout the practices? I, I can't quite remember. And I don't at least two, to at least two where he basically ran the route for guys. Exactly. And so part of me looks at a guy like Brents and thinks that if you're looking for a developmental corner, that's about as good as it'll get, especially because Brents like, or rush. Uh, I think rush is more. If I said, no, I Brents, meant, are whoops. you talking about Brents or rush right now? In this case, rush. Uh, oh, okay, sorry. I think Brent's is going to be a little higher profile. Like we're talking probably late second round. That's where I've him graded at the very least. It's a great corner draft. So maybe he'll slide or maybe the fact that he's got a frame he can't teach will push him up boards. Whereas Rush, I think, is the budget version of a guy like Julius Brent's, right? The size is there. He's He's got so much to his game to like. He's, he's just in a loaded class. I mean, honestly, if you're looking at tight end or corner, you can get a really sweet one around the third or fourth round because and tackle for crying out loud. There are just some stars at a lot of these positions that are are wild to watch. I mean, did you guys not to pivot too hard? Did you guys see Kalijah Kansi run a four, four if memory serves? That's a tight end. That's a tackle. That's oh. a defensive tackle. Like, granted, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's more of like a, let's call him a three tech. He's closer to like 260, but still that man was moving. Uh, and it's crazy what some of these guys did at the combine. They were bananas. Um, I really think that like Darius Rush could be a steal in mm-hmm. this draft because, like you said, he's new to the position and he does have issues. Like he will miss time his his jam, and guys will sm- like smoke him, you know, and, and he'll get beat on those inside releases. But he's new to the position and he's a high IQ player where you see him mm-hmm. like see like diagnose routes and run them for the wide receiver. And he's just got such he's long. He's got that that long speed to be able to recover and just good ball skills to get back in the catch space. That it's like, OK, like he's got some he's got footwork stuff that he needs to figure out where he can be a little flat footed when he throws his hands to jam a wide receiver and get beat and get beat really bad off the release. But I just see so much good recovery recovery ability um you know and when he and when he does do what he you know like start off the route well or if he's funneling a guy to the sideline like he's 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 won you know if it's an outside release Darius Russ wins every single time so that's right I think he may end up being a steal in this draft because I just I see so much potential there and there's there's reason to believe that he's gonna grow so that's why like Darius Rush to me coming out of this seeing seeing the 40 time match what we kind of saw in Mobile his 10-yard split isn't amazing, but it's good. Uh, you know, it's, it's at the same range of guys like, you know, uh, uh, Por- uh, Joey Porter Jr. Like, that was really encouraging for me. So, I, I, Rush is a guy who I, I am, like, eyeing down. I was like, this guy, I think, is going to be a really solid starting corner for a long time. Same. I mean, he's the kind of guy who knows why he's winning, and you can see why he's losing and legitimately rationalize it, right? You're not saying, oh, he's losing because anytime he has to change or change direction or change gears, he's just getting toasted. It's not that simple. With him, I mean, he really is brand new to the position. I think last year was his first year of starting, and he doesn't have that high school background where you can say, well, he's been playing this position all his life. He hasn't. He learned it 
at the SEC level. So he's exactly the kind of guy like you're talking about, Bobby, that you could probably scoop up later down the board. And sure, you're not going to expect much out of him as a rookie, though I guess maybe he'll surprise you. But come his sophomore, come his uh, his second, third, fourth season, I would not shock me at all to see Rush be a real contributor, if not a starter outright. You plan mm. on going into sporting any any sporting events anytime soon, Robert? It's a great question. What do you mean? Like are you like you could have like a football game, a baseball game on like on concert? the docket that you might want to get to concert. Uh, you know, at some point I was uh, or so I was supposed to have a softball game this evening that I but it got rained out, which is silly because it didn't even rain yesterday. It feels just wet. Well, Robert, but- if you if you want to if you want to find your way to some sort of significant sporting event, concert, and so much more. You can go to SeatGeek, Robert. Today's episode is, is sponsored by is. SeatGeek. Baseball's coming back, and to celebrate, wow. SeatGeek is giving a special offer to our fans. Use code JOHNBOYPRESEASON, all one word, for 15% off your order, whether you are a first-time buyer or not. That's kind of huge. It's kind of big. Robert's laughing his ass off right now because with that transition. I didn't see that coming at all. <laughs> he's like, why are they asking me about where am I going? They're talking about Darius Rush. And lo and behold, you got to rush over to SeatGeek. How do you like that? If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. SeatGeek, they put tickets all over the web in one place to make buying simple. And they rate every ticket from 0 to 10 to make sure that you are getting a good deal. Green means good. Red means bad. And this code works on any ticket. On anything, and it does not matter how many times you've bought tickets using SeatGeek before, code JOHNBOYPRESEASON is going to get you 15% off your next order. Don't wait. This offer expires at the end of the month, so open up your phone, add that code to your account, and thank us later. We've got the hookup for you right now. Use code JOHNBOYPRESEASON for 50% off tickets at SeatGeek. Robert, you'll be glad you did. I, I will be. That was great, Justin. Thank you for bringing that, bringing the fire. And good job by me seeing Justin was like gearing up to read an ad. So I, I asked you that question. Uh, I so I, I want to talk about other stuff besides just on field performance. Let's let's go. Let's I'm gonna go rapid fire. Yeah. Just like three guys, like you want to talk about that you're excited about. Oh man, just in general. It could be D line tight end. Like, you know, Darnell Washington. It could be, you know, this the D lineman out of pit. Like yeah. what? It, just kind of like quickly like what like rapid fire what sells you on them d lineman wisconsin keanu benton yes comes from a wrestling background outstandingly fun to listen to carries a chip on his shoulder he self brought up he said you know i don't think a lot of guys know this but i was the first uh or i was the first guy to play d1 football that came from my high school in 30 years i mean sure there's the small town story aspect but this guy carries where he came from with him and i tend to think that as he as he drives himself forward going forward that he'll carry that work ethic that's so critical for players getting better wrestling background who doesn't love it uh offensive linemen and defensive linemen that come from that kind of spot tend to succeed he's somebody i think is under projected right now and could end up being uh, a poor man's Duran Payne, which would still make you a very rich man uh another player that i love watching his tape is 
I mean, I love Michael Wilson. Outstandingly well-spoken for a 6'5", 215-pound receiver. Uh, Relatively solid agility testing, but he's really come on strong since that senior bowl where we saw him pop off. Talked about him enough there, so I won't belabor the point too much. At tight end, okay, Braden Willis didn't test like I wanted him to. Still interested, but uh, when you're unathletic compared to wide receiver standards, it can get kind of tough. On the other hand, Will Mallory from Miami. Bobby, I think you've got the wrong kind of Miami glasses on because he tested like a crazy man. 245 was a 9.82 relative athletic score. He ran a 4.54 as a tight end, had really, really solid agility numbers based on what I saw. He's small, and we know that, but for his size, he blocks a lot better than I think Laporta or Will Musgrave do, and he catches the ball well, carries a lot of speed with him. I think he's a great candidate. So there's this moment at the combine, right? Where they had Will Mallory at podium two at podium one, right next to him. They had Darnell Washington at podium three. Also right next to him. They had Michael Mayer. So I'm standing there with Will Mallory and no one else's not literally no one, maybe four or five other people as massive throngs of people are holding their microphones up to uh, to talk to the other two. So I tend to think that Will Mallory is as underrated by everybody else as he is by the reporters that were there. He's exactly the kind of guy, in my opinion, he's the antithesis of uh, Darnell Washington, right, Bobby, where he might very well have not flashed enough to get people as excited about him as they should be. And he's a perfect candidate to do what tight ends normally do, get drafted low and massively outproduce their draft stock, whereas Darnell Washington might be exactly the opposite story. Right. I want to talk to you from a Bears perspective. Mm -hmm. The Jalen Carter story breaks. Yep. Um, And there was... Todd McShay actually got a lot of heat for like saying, like mentioning that there's some character concerns and people are like, oh, he's just he's lying. And then this comes out. So from a Bears point of view, you're if I know you, you're probably looking at two guys or maybe even three, but like you know, Jalen Carter, Will Anderson. Does was the talk there that this changes any of that for him, his projection, or is it still like like it is it is a like an issue what he did but you it also can be chalked up to be like man this was young and dumb and if you are like more remorseful and learn from it like it can be you know uh you know an asterisk next to your wikipedia page it's hard to say because if the draft was last week then yeah i mean that's the tunsil gas mask right but it isn't last week so the question is how's carter going to navigate it from here I mean, the Bears owner, George McCaskey, is extraordinarily heavy on character concerns. And so that could very well make him undraftable from a Bears perspective. It also sounds like the Bears are doing everything in their power to trade the pick. So they may be trading out of what would have been Jalen Carter range anyways and make the discussion moot. But I'll tell you that 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 news broke about an hour before Jalen Carter was supposed to interview at the combine or at least publicly interview. And then he didn't show up. He went straight back to Athens, Georgia, turned himself in bail. You know, the rest of the story, but that was a major, like a hush fell over the crowd. I mean, you heard phones beeping, everybody checked. Hey, did you hear this? Uh, So I'm super curious. I think I'm as curious as anybody else is to see how Carter's going to navigate this from here, because he just went from potentially the first overall pick of the draft to, 
How far do you really think he'd fall, Bobby? I mean, this is a league that'll still draft Tyreek Hill in the third. It'll still draft Laramie Tunsil in the, or at 13th overall. Really, how far do you think a team will let him fall? I think six is the absolute lowest. Right. Because you could say three quarterbacks go ahead of him. Will Anderson Jr., a team convinced himself of Tyree Wilson. And that, to me, is like it. Like Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't read the details on the crime um, on it or anything. Just because it's like it's Giants aren't drafting this guy. And, and, you know, I'm not. I don't know. I just didn't. But it also, it like, drag racing like race like racing your friends after the bar is as stupid as that is like like you know NFL teams like you said you mentioned like that will get swept under the rug even though it could have oh, ended yeah. up in uh you know I, I mean it, it I don't know what he was responsible for but it could have ended up you know where he you know hurt hurt himself or hurt someone that wasn't drag racing with them you know like the Henry Rugg situation right um but I, you know, NFL teams they will sweep whatever under the rug. I think as lo- the lowest he can go is six, unless he is like culpable in in the death of of the teammate. My understanding is that the biggest issue with the Jalen Carter situation, guys, is that he didn't tell any of the teams about this. So McShay obviously talks about character concerns as early as December. This happens in January, and when teams had him for initial interviews, he didn't breathe a word of it. So there are going to be some teams maybe that'll get twisted up over. He lied to us, but I mean, we're talking about a 20 year old kid. I don't know. I was an idiot when I was 20. I I can't help but be empathetic towards a kid getting stuck in a bad situation. I mean, like you're saying, Bobby, you walk out of the bar, you're like, ah, let's make a silly decision. And then somebody dies. Right. And suddenly there you are. But it doesn't it doesn't make not calling the police, not getting him help excusable. It doesn't make it not a misdemeanor. We're just going to have to see how he owns it from here. You know, I just I just find it hard to believe, like you're talking about, that teams even inside the top 10 aren't going to be like, you're dropping him to me. Checkmate. I will take that. And they may laugh their way to the bank, you know? Yeah, I think the character concerns would have to be much more than this incident. I think it would have to be like, this guy is uncoachable. He's like, he is he is a person heading down the wrong path of life. Like, I think that's what it would take for him to really drop. So, and I don't, I don't, I don't know him, but I just know the talent that he is. And I'm like, I just don't, I, I think there's going to be some team in the top six that can right. going with him. Uh, how, so how was it? I heard everyone says that Indianapolis is like the perfect place for the combine because everything's connected. Like you don't even have to ever go outside if you don't want to. You don't. Uh, you brush shoulders. You know, you you were chatting up Ryan Pole. What was going on? Oh, it was so fun. I mean, it, it really is interconnected. It's a big old spider web of hotels and like combine or at hotels and convention center stuff. It's basically right next to Lucas Oil, which is awfully neat if you want to go there. Uh, I passed Ryan Poles multiple times in the hallways. It was definitely a veritable who's who of the NFL. And frankly, you even had a bunch of moments of uh, somebody else recognizing somebody for you, right? Where you go, oh, shoot, that is Scott Fitterer. I hadn't really thought about what Scott Federer looks like, that kind of thing. Um, I thought it was super fun. I mean, especially if you can get on Radio Row, which we did not, uh, because then you're basically able to just grab people and interview them as they come out. But 
even being in the, just the media workroom, getting to talk to all kinds of people. I talked to some people from the Miami Herald. I talked to all kinds of draft people that I bumped into. It's definitely a place where you got to be willing to basically tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, what's your name? But if you can do that, you can meet all kinds of people. Get your name out there a little bit more, right? Rock a credential. Have fun talking to players. We posted a bunch. You can check out the Wind City Run Pod. Uh, NFL passers that just recorded because why not, right? Whenever content running, it's, it's a press conference. A lot of times these things end up on the internet one way or another, and I want people to be able to hear what these players said, right? Instead of just reading text tweets. But I thought it was a really, really great time. Indianapolis is a really fun city. It's like four streets wide, uh, every which way you go. So there's really not a traffic issue in or out. And I think we only get one more year of Indy before it moves. At least that's what the rumblings were. I'm not about to pretend to be an expert. So I'm definitely hoping to enjoy it for another year before it moves to like Los Angeles or something. Yeah, I, I would hate that if it moved from Indy unless it came to Florida. That's the only way I would <laughs> I would be okay with it moving. But it's it's like the NFL. They want everything to travel. Um, so we're, did you go to the Ryan Poles presser? Oh, yeah. Oh, did yeah. you get a question in? Uh, I did not. Because I was letting all the Bears beat guys do it, thinking I was doing them a favor. But I need to just we're, punch through and ask a question next we're time. We're the same way. If we did go, it would be like, do we ask a question? Or like, what do we do? Uh, it took practice. Those reporters, they they don't even like let... Somehow they know the guy has finished a sentence. Like, they must not be listening in some cases. Because they'll get a question in as somebody's closing their sentence, finishing the final word, they'll already be talking. And you're like, how did you do this? Like it is, it's almost a mind reading skill. Getting questions in probably took me till like day three or four before I was able to ask any of them just because other people would talk over me. When we left that bar in Mobile, Alabama, um, where we, we were hanging out, mm-hmm. we were walking out and all, here comes Joe Shane walking <laughs> down across the street. Ah, no way. Yeah. And J- Justin, credit to Justin. Like, I, I like he reached out, gave him a fist bump, like "What's up, Joe?" and then just kept it moving. Um, That's the way to do it. So that was a good. One. We were hoping to run the Brian Dable because Brian Dable is a cigar addict. Like I was his, carrying he was, cigars everywhere I was, went. He was shown on TV with a cigar in like the the press, like the the whatever the boxes they put coaches in, which is like, okay, man, we get it. Um, that that that's what we were, we were hoping to run the Brian Dable more so than Joe Shane and Mobile because like Brian Dable would probably like. Should talk and I've I've met Brian Dable. We have the cigar connection, or Justin has a oh, cigar awesome. connection. Yeah, I I literally if there's if there's now a chance that and I did this in Mobile. Uh, if there's you got to buy there's... one really expensive cigar and just keep it on you for I do. Brian Dable. Yeah. Um. Now you can't give him the twenty dollar cigar. Yeah. Well, I mean a twenty dollar a twenty dollar cigar is like is like low key expensive for me. Yeah, even like a fifty dollar. Even like That's a fifty dollar. Brian Dable's rich, dude. You got to get like a hundred dollar, two hundred dollar cigar and just keep it on you for Brian Dable at all times. You got to get like... a cigar cigar plated with gold, Justin. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. Brian Dable's gonna spit in your eye. It's like it's like the steak. You get a steak that's like in in, the, in that gold. Um, and the average person's like, "What is this? Am I supposed to eat this?" It's like, no. I guess I guess I guess you are. I paid sixty nine dollars for DeAndre a steak. Baker eating <laughs> gold plated steak the day before we cut him. Oh, terrific! <laughs> I paid sixty nine. I, I paid sixty nine dollars for a steak in Atlantic City this weekend. So maybe I am a uh, Mr. Big Bucks. Wow, you're loaded. Look at yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. But everywhere I go, if there's a chance that Brian Dable's in the same vicinity, I am carrying. An extra cigar on me, so Mark. then it, it not, I can't just carry one. I have to no. carry two because then I'll be yes. like, "Let's smoke together, let's have a conversation." Duh, Duh. that's all you can do. I got to ask you this before we end it: Where are you on the scale of 
we got all this cap space. We could sign a lot of players on on from that end to the just because we have all this money doesn't we need to be reckless and be like the 2021 New York Giants and sign everybody. Well, I wish there was a middle ground, Bobby, but I'm here to report to you that the Bears have roughly $120 million of first-year cash that they have to spend, or else they're going to fork that same money over to the NFLPA. They are so underspent right now that they actually have penalties if they don't spend the money. You're going to be like the, the Jags right before they got yep. good? Exactly. Where, I mean, they're giving Julius Thomas like big-time contracts yep. where it's like, we got to spend this money somewhere. Got to spend it somewhere. they ended up getting in guys like Calais Campbell, so it worked out and got them to an AFC Championship game. So. The hope here would be that the Bears can – my hope is that they'll spend it on the trenches because I generally think that spending on skill guys doesn't really work out. There's a certain former Lions receiver that comes to mm-hmm. mind, but we don't need to talk about it any more than we Golden have. State, no. Um, um. <laughs> 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 Who's your number one target? Uh, it's gosh, it's probably Draymond Jones from Denver. Uh, it's it's weird looking at all this because like, I was hoping like... Payne would have made the free agency. He is so good, so like, good. You, you oh know my the gosh. teams in your division. Deron Payne is because he's on a team with Jonathan Allen, who's like he's in that top five range. Like Deron Payne doesn't get the credit he deserves for being and a great defensive tackle in the NFL. Like there's that tier of top guys. He's like right below that. Baby, he's upset. So oh, no. Well, we'll he, he said he's, he, he he knew we told you 45 yes, minutes. We literally just hit 45. I know, we, I know, I know. All right, so hang on. We got it. We got him quiet for just a little bit. So I'll say, I know. He's an outstanding player. Draymond Jones is a little bit more of a pure three-tech, pure pass rusher uh, than Deron Payne is. So I, he's somebody that I'm excited about. He's relatively young. Javon Hargrave is another name everybody keeps throwing around. But I, I'm a lot more worried about the age curve than I think other people seem to be. Everybody keeps saying, ah, he's 30. He's fine. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, he's he's 30. That's a big deal for a team as young as the Bears. If you're going to hand somebody $20 million, I mean, if you're getting them on a cheaper deal, I understand. But at the end of the day, I have to pick my favorite of three only okay right tackles in Juwan Taylor, who's fine, uh, Mike McGlinchey, who's fine but overrated, uh, and Caleb McGarry, who's got little dinosaur arms. Um, so pr- they're probably going to roll with McGlinchey just because of the note, or like just because he played in the San Fran offense. But if they spend it on the trenches, historically speaking, free agency spending on defensive and offensive line is rarely a bad thing. It's those skill guys that'll get you. So you guys had better tag Saquon Barkley so I don't have to explain to my followers that spending seventy to five million dollars over four years on a running back might not be the good idea that I want it to be for a team that's only going to compete maybe in 2024. Giants are a year ahead of the Bears. Makes more sense for you guys. It's 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 Sa- Saquon. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll people will know by the time we're listening to this, but like we will. Daniel Jones' contract decides the fate of Saquon Barkley, the Giant, or Chicago Bear, essentially. So you need to be watching this Daniel Jones contract update as as, mu- as much as anyone. You think I'm not, Robert? Where can people find your work? You do excellent draft stuff. You are a huge asset uh, down to the Senior Bowl. Um, where where can people find it? Because I know people love it. Find me over at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z on Twitter. You can read my work on Windy City Gridiron. I am hoping to put out a prospect every day, like a little draft review. Um, I don't know if they're going to be as intense as the one that I just put out on Julius Prince, but we'll figure it out together. So you find me over on YouTube at Second City Gridiron, where we do streams, mostly about the Bears. But lately, it'll be a bunch of draft stuff. So come stop by, hang out, grab a beer. 
Thank you guys for having me on. It is always a great time doing this one. Appreciate you, Robert, and we appreciate Jonah as well, too. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Sean, you better hope I never get back in there. I will kick your Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. All right, thanks again, Robert Smith, for coming on the show. Good combine talk. And the Daniel Jones just got paid five years. Seven hundred fifty million dollars mm. as we're recording. That's your guess, or no? That's that's what happened. That's the yeah. report you're seeing right now. I'm trying my best to not talk about like the Geno contract, the Derek Carr contract, because we're just going to save it all for when that happens. Um, so and, and crazy times. We're about to pay a, a quarterback for the first time since Eli Manning, or we'll just franchise tag him. We'll see. Is Saquon Barkley a part of the future? We don't know, but you probably know when this is being recorded. Um. So, so yeah, you went to Atlantic City this weekend? I did. I did. Um, I won in the slots. I was up in roulette and then lost it all. And then big Sunday recovery day, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, went back to Blackjack. And that's where I, I went. I, I, I ended a Saturday night being up by only 20. But then Sunday morning, I hit big and I, and I was up by a lot. So Atlantic City. Cool, cool. Yeah, I've been good, going good. more often. Yeah, I th- I think I, I've like texted you on the weekend like ten times in the past ten no. weeks, and you're like, I'm in Atlantic City every <laughs> single weekend. No, I don't think that's true. Got a full blown addict over here. Yeah. Um. Probably yeah, we did Dave. a be- we did a beach wedding, and it was the hottest day that we've had in four years. In fact, we were the hottest place in the entire country, mm. which was nice. <laughs> it actually wasn't so bad though. Um. And it was very quick in and out, but it was it was it was a good wedding. Um, good wedding. So, so it's a nice congrats. day for a white wedding. Some have said. Congrats to my brother. Has James ever been on? He was in the background of the Daytona, the Daytona live show. Yes, he so. was. Yes, he was. He almost he fought Alva Kamara actually. One of our listeners knows my brother because at the Commanders game, when the Commanders scored their first touchdown, he goes and takes a takes his selfie video and goes and like hugs them and yeah, to these Giants fans. So like, he was pretty messed up, I guess. Um, and so I'm like, okay, and he didn't even press record. That's how messed up he was. And then like two minutes later, they're like, "You're Bobby Skinner, right?" I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "That's that's my brother who was just screaming in your face." So. <laughs> That's an episode. Uh, we will see you Tuesday afternoon. We'll have another podcast out this afternoon talking about the f- franchise tag deadline and all that ensues. So we appreciate you guys. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue. <laughs>